0: You were both in Spell and Bones, the secret society. It's so secret we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? The conspiracy theorists are going to go I'm wild. I'm sure they are. I don't know. I haven't N- seen the web. Number baby. three, two, two. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh,
1: first of all, he's not the nominee, and uh, but uh, look, I look for forward- you. You prepared to lose? No, I'm not going to lose. You both were members of Spell and Bones, a secret society at Yale. What does that tell us? uh... not much because it's a secret <laughs> is there a secret handshake is there a secret code i wish there were something secret i could manifest three twenty two secret number uh, there are all kinds of secrets Tim. But one thing is not a secret i disagree with this president's direction that he's taking the country we can do a better job and i intend to do it and we'll be watching be safe on the campaign trail john kerry yes, thanks sir. for joining us and we'll be right back Welcome to NWCZradio.com Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. Welcome to the big episode. My name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. And of course, it is fantastic to have everybody along. Hope you had a great week. And I think we have a very interesting topic to explore today. It is,
0: and it's one of those ones that we've mentioned and we've talked about over and over again. And for whatever reason, we just never did it.
1: Yeah, it's been on our list. Probably yes. for two years. It's probably been our
0: lessons since the very
1: beginning. Probably. And it's one that just kept falling through the cracks, but no more. We're going to tackle it today. Yes. But before we do that, we also want to thank all of our carriers of the program, the radio stations, all the podcast platforms, everywhere that you can get this program. We really appreciate the fact that they carry it and... Remind you that you can email us at downtheRh at protonmail dot com. DowntheRh at protonmail dot com. We love hearing from you. We love hearing suggestions, comments, questions, grievances, pointing out where we're wrong. We we just love the dialogue. So never hesitate to email us, and that kind of our favorite thing to do outside of recording a show.
0: It is. I love getting emails or messages from listeners with topic ideas or questions like, what do you think about this? Um, I love hearing other people's thoughts. I mean, you get both of our opinions of what we think a lot of this stuff is. We give you the information, and then we throw our opinions out there. But I love hearing other people, and all of a sudden, I've had a couple times now where people sent me something, I'm like, I never thought
1: of that angle. Yeah, we love to exercise our brains, and just because we share our opinion doesn't mean it is cemented we try to keep it fluid and open to all options. That's the beauty of research. Yeah. I will say the one challenge is, and I don't want this to dissuade anybody, but if you're going to, or when you email us about a past episode and you ask for references, or you ask us to send you links or so forth, if they're not in the show notes or if they're not showing up, it's a good likelihood a they've disappeared or B, we've cleared them off our computer. So you need to be specific. I was listening to this episode about this topic and you talked about this person or this event. Then we can narrow it down because we have over 200 episodes. And I don't know how many links and articles and so forth we have in our archives. But the way the internet works these days, a lot of those things disappear rapidly. And yeah. we, I do archive mine, there's a, there's a website that you can archive stuff to where it never goes away. And I've started using that. But I know a lot of our earlier shows are, well, let's just say a lot of those videos and links that we referred to are no longer available. At least I can't find them.
0: No, I can't either. There's a lot of them. I mean, and it's like we mentioned it. When we did uh, one episode, I can remember we even talked about how like the videos we were watching were disappearing as soon as we were done
1: watching them. That was the Bill Gates episode. Yes, it was. So anyway, let's get into today's topic. And we're going to talk about a a secret society, which is actually a fraternal club. And the interesting thing, in my opinion, about this fraternal club is they are super secret. So secret that I dug hard to find any kind of doctrine statement, any kind of published work by this group, or any any kind of reference from the members, and they are extremely tight-lipped. I don't think they write anything down, and so a lot of what we're going to go on today is by kind of speculation and reports of others who have either been in contact with this group, perhaps were involved, but a lot of it is based on watching those who were members of this group, because that is a published fact and how they've acted.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's even a, a thing where they talk about how, um, people within the group have been instructed that if someone asks you about the group, um, you are supposed to politely check out of the conversation and walk out of the room.
1: We've seen that in real time with George Bush Jr. And John Kerry, they were both asked about this during their pri- uh, presidential run. And yes. both of them Declined and just so, not going to talk about. It. I can't talk about it. Yeah, so that's a secret. That's, yeah, that's pretty much all they said. That's pretty much it. And they were both a part of the same fraternal order. So the, what we're talking about today is the infamous Skull and Bones, and Skull and Bones is based out of one singular university. So when we say it's a fraternal order, it's actually only at one school. Yes, this, this isn't something you can join. At your local university or or even any other Ivy League school. It's Yale exclusive.
0: Yep. You have to be a member of Yale, and they only induct 15 people every year, and it's 15 juniors.
1: Yeah. And I tried to look into that because I found that interesting. A, what's the significance of 15? And B, why are they juniors? Like, what? They're only good for two years, basically.
0: I, and I'm not sure on that. I, it was one of those things, and I, it may come back to the like its founding, because I know the very first year there was only 15 members, and maybe they just decided that's all they're going to have every year. But for whatever reason, they chose 15. And for the juniors, I don't know.
1: And for a long time, it was male only. Yes. It, in recent history, they have started allowing females in – If you look at the history of this society, and we're going to, but as far as who's chosen and how are they chosen, which is an obvious question, according to several articles that I read, they chose people who were the elite of the elite as far as athletes, newspaper editors, and leaders of student organizations, or wealthy, super wealthy kids of Wealthy families. Yeah. So they were looking for people who are going to potentially go on into life and be influential and have power and have money and have uh, ability to, as we may see later on, change things or continue with whatever project it is that they are unleashing on mankind.
0: Yeah, and it's the elite of the elite. In a lot of ways, some of them are, you know, families. We'll talk in a little bit, where you'll see families where it's, you know, father, son, grandchild, like all the way down. Um famous people, people, I mean, a lot of the names you've heard of, some of them you haven't, but you should have, because they're they're high up in financial institutions and stuff like that. They have a lot of power within this group. Um, and like you said, it's there's there's nothing that says how they choose. But it really does seem like they're choosing, they've had the argument come back with, well, maybe we just choose the right people that do great things after they leave. And we can see that, you know, or you pick the people that are part of families, which if they name their families, a lot of the main families in this are families that we've mentioned in the past.
1: And one of the things that I thought about this, too, which kind of lends to the question of why are they picking juniors? I think... They allow freshmen and sophomore to get their feet wet in college and then see who has the qualifications to go forward. Because a lot of people in their freshman year, sophomore year, they come in with great expectations and they maybe flame out or they become you know, party boys and girls or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So... That leads me to believe that they keep an eye on, they they peg a bunch of people as they come in as potentials and then whittle it down over the first two years and then offer the invite.
0: Which does make a lot of sense because it's kind of one of those things you see that they do pick prominent families, but the people they pick out of those prominent families aren't going to be, I mean, the ones that... Are going to cause issues? Or are the ones that are going to be, I think they watch them for, you know, like you said, for those first. Are they messing around with a, a lot? Are they drinking? Are they partying? Are they doing drugs? Are they going to be a liability?
1: Right. Exactly. Are they, yeah, would they join and think it's just pi alpha kappa or whatever? It's the animal house, right? This is a very serious organization. Yes. And in fact, one of the lines in an article I read, this was from 2015. It says, this elite roster, talking about all the members of the Skull and Bones, coupled with its persistent secrecy, has bred intense speculation about the group's power to determine world events. And as we get into it and we talk about some of the key figures of the Skull and Bones, you're going to see that they, in fact, have indeed shaped world events and continue to do so to this day.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things where it becomes one of those arguments of because of the fact that they pick people that become prominent, do they actually, you know, affect change by being skull and bones? Or is it just coincidence? And that's where a lot of we come into later when we start talking about the, the theories and everything else, who a lot of these people are and where they are when things change and where they have ties to. And it, I mean, it goes all the way back to, I mean... World War I and World War Two.
1: So this group, the Skull and Bones, was founded uh, by all accounts in 1832. This is what I have found to be the most consistent yes. of the dates. And Brandon and I were talking about this before we started recording because most articles and most uh, history you're going to read about this group states that they were started by a senior named William Russell. Now, I have also heard and read others that it was actually started by Preston Bush, which is the grandfather of George Bush Jr. So yes, but it's
0: one of those things for him that like I've seen with him a lot of is he was at least a lot of the ones I saw the most common one that I saw was Russell started it. It was his idea, but Preston Bush was part of the original group.
1: Yes. Well, and so here's why I think there's discrepancy, because in 1832, I, I found this in uh, several different places that this this is when the Masons were a big deal. They were all the rage in the U.S., but yes. there, there became this backlash uh, against the, the sort of elitism and the, 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 the dark rumors about the secret rituals and so forth, and so much so that Phi Beta Kappa, the National Academic Honor Society, Distance itself by renouncing its own oath of secrecy. So, Russell, who didn't want any, he wanted to keep this all super secret, responded by forming an even more secret society with 14 other members. Therefore, you have the original 15. Mm-hmm. And he called it the Eulogian Club. After the Greek goddess of eloquence, the Eulogians adopted as their symbol a foreboding death head and the skull and bones eventually became the society's name so i think when this anti sort of masonic super secret uh ritualistic approach to secret societies started gaining backlash and everyone sort of started backing off and saying no we don't want any part of this we're going to be more of an open we're going to let the world see what we're doing Mm -hmm. William russell said no we're going to have we're we're not going to have any of that we're going to stay secret and in fact we're going to be more secret than anybody well and there's some to think
0: that um the other thing they think too is that he was he was originally part of uh what is it pi beta kappa yes i think it was who was a big who was a fraternal order that was you know a frat um that was very secretive had a lot of secret stuff and they were forced to by the patern- or by the, the the college to show everything and get rid of all their secrets and to write who was their members were. And so because they did that, he in turn started, you know, the the skull and bones and then went, No, we are going super secret. You won't even know who we are. Yes. That's that's one argument of what they did, but it really does come down to the crackdown on you know, those orders, those secret societies that did happen right about that time.
1: And a lot of people have compared them to the Thule Society, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about before. The Thule Society was a group that inspired the uh, Nazi occult mysticism and Nazi ideology. The Thule Society uh, was actually practiced by Adolf Hitler. And a lot of people believe, and I think there's some, good evidence to it that members of the skull and bones who went on into banking were funding helping fund Nazi Germany there's a lot that
0: talk about that that he was um a lot of the money that was going into those societies was going to Nazi Germany and there's a lot of it that figured that you know the 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 skull and bones was a big part of that yes because a lot of the a lot of the former members are Big financiers, you know, work for major banks, work for a lot of stuff. And there was a lot of money that was going through those banks that was financing the the Nazis, even after they knew what their final plan was. In fact, they think they were the ones that stopped the U.S. from bombing the trains to keep to stop the supply runs to Auschwitz. Right. And everything else. They think it was members of the Skull and Bones that were the ones that said, you know, don't do that. Because that's where the ones that they're using for the the cheap labor to get all the stuff done that we need. Because it got in the way of their money.
1: Yeah, so once you are picked by the group and you agree to join the Skull and Bones, this is where things get uh, a little murky for, well, everybody. There is an initiation ceremony. There's no doubt about that. What actually happens at it and the oaths they take are, they're open to much debate. Yes. So I thought we would go through some of the things that we found. Now, we can't confirm this. We don't know this to be absolute truth. Some of them are supposedly by people who went through it. Others are by, relayed by people who supposedly knew people who were in it. And, you know, some night over drinks, they sort of spilled the beans or whatever. But there's a lot of weird things, if they're true, and we'll also give you the other side, but there's a lot of weird things that supposedly happen when they go through this initiation and oath ceremony. One of the things is that, as far as the oath goes, that they must obey to the rules of their superiors and that the society becomes a priority over everything. So... If the leaders of the Skull and Bones tell you to do this or that or the other thing, especially on the college campus at Yale, you must obey. And then once you graduate and you get out into the world, the Skull and Bones that have gone before you now are seen as your superiors or your elders or however you want to put it, and they dictate down to you what your role is now and the things that you need to do. Yes. Also, a new member is obliged to obey any recommendations recommended by Skull and Bones. It's said that the members declare allegiance not only to remain faithful to the society, but also the implementation of the New World Order. Wait, what?
0: The New World Order? Yes. You tell me they're involved with the New World Order. That's the charge.
1: Yeah. Also, that a member shall take an oath that releases them of allegiance to King government, constitution, or the nation. So essentially, once they, once you're in and once you take this oath, you don't owe anything to your state, to the United States, to any king or anybody. No. And so it, you're an elite group.
0: Yes, you're an elite, an elite group, and you hold nothing to any of those. And we've had, in all three parts of our government, bonesmen, in yes. charge of all three at different points all the way up Supreme to president justice presidents three different presidents
1: a lot of state representatives we'll go yeah. through that list in a moment it's it's staggering
0: oh it is it, it, and and that's the hardest part i mean you run through the list of skull and bones and like i said some of them you'll be like well i don't know who that is and then you'll look them up and they're like the the president of one of the largest banks in the country. I mean. These are very influential people, some that are very influential right out in front. Like you see, like Bush, you know, we're talking about, you know, George Bush, George W. W and H.W. Bush. We know who they are. You know, John Kerry, all names that we know. But then some of the other ones, you're like, I'm not sure who that is. But then you look them up and you're like, oh, yeah, this person probably has even more power than the president because they have power over all the
1: money. Yeah, there's a lot of that. One of the more well-reported activities that happens during the initiation ceremony, among others, and some of it is truly frat type stuff, you know, where they, they run mm-hmm. around naked and they put a hood over them and make them probably, I think they paddle them or whatever. They You know, that's the usual stuff. Yeah. But the biggest one that has come out and apparently has been confirmed is this idea that they lie in a coffin. It's called the coffin-lying initiation. And what this does is requires the candidate to lie down in the coffin wearing no clothes and so this is a little sensitive. So if you got kids around, they are to let's just say pleasure themselves while they relate their entire sexual history to the group.
0: And so that's one of the ones that's actually debated quite a bit is the the pleasuring part, the the Telling them all their sexual history—that has actually been very well, Docu- like confirmed yes. repeatedly. The they're not sure about that. Which I mean, whatever the coffin part, yeah, because a lot of people say it, um, almost all the rituals, as far as anybody knows, are very much oriented around birth or death and rebirth. Yes, in fact, one of the original like names that they go by is the Brotherhood of Death. So they are considered, you know. Death and rebirth is a huge part of it. And that's where the coffin comes in. So really if it is, I can see the idea of the coffin. I can see all of that. The pleasure in yourself, that's a little weird.
1: But you know. And I don't know that they do that. I just I've read it so yes. many times. And maybe it was just a rumor that got out of control. I don't know.
0: I mean, it reminds me of the old the whole like thing you hear about frat parties and doing the ookie cookie. So Right. Right. And if you don't know what the Oki Cookie is, don't, don't
1: look it up. <laughs> Just saying. Another thing that's interesting about this group is they have a lot of artifacts that they hang on to. And one of the more yes. famous ones, supposedly, is they have the skull of Geronimo, the Indian, the Apache yep. Indian.
0: And that's because there's one thing that there's been a lot of debates on some of the stuff that they're supposed to do as part of the initiation. Yes. Um. And it's cons- they, a lot of people believe that Pres, it was Prescott, right? Yes. Yeah, Prescott Bush, that part of his initiation, he actually disturbed Geronimo's tomb and stole the skull.
1: Yeah, and I've been to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, which is where Geronimo is buried, and I asked them <laughs> if his skull was there, and they wouldn't tell me.
0: Well, there, there's documentation that Geronimo's family sued him and sued the skulls for claiming that they have it. So, that kind of gives a little credence to it. That, hey, if the, the family's suing you, um, yeah, might mean that they
1: actually have it. And there's also a lot of debate and speculation as to what they do with the skull. Because the skull is... There, because one of the things is when you become an initiate, when you join the group, you're supposed to either go steal or bring something of historical, artifactual value to the group, and then they store it in this building they call the tomb. And it, be, and it also becomes part of this initiation right? because that all these things are looking down upon this group and they're supposed to bring wisdom and power and whatever. And it could all just be, you know, hokey, college mumbo-jumbo, but that's the idea behind it. Yes. According to one report, it says there are speculation that Ger- Geronimo's skull would appear during night initiations boldly staring at the future rulers. I like
0: how they say future rulers.
1: Yes, that was the key to me. But uh, the other one was like, are they talking? Like, is it an apparition, or did they bring it out? I, it wasn't very clear.
0: There's a lot in this that isn't very clear, and I think that's one thing. Like we mentioned right at the very beginning, it's a lot of this is speculation because trying to get this is one of the most tight-lipped secret societies out there, and I, and it's one of those things. I think that's the hardest part with some of this. As humans,
1: we fill in the blanks. So I did look into. I dug a little more into this uh, pleasuring yourself thing because I'm just wondering why, why were they doing this? What was the big deal about this? Here's something I found. And I, again, take it for what it's worth. It says that each member of the society, including Bush senior and George W. Bush sacrificed or sold themselves to this group by uh, demeaning themselves doing this and that this is required in a coffin in front of all the other members and you're supposed to swear allegiance to the group or and some say the devil or whoever while holding a skull which they claim would be the one from geronimo using a coffin ritual to symbolize rebirth as does the skull and bones is typically uh, according to this article satanic They go on to say Hitler believed that he was born again by this very ritual. And claims in this article, it claims that this is a very common thing in most occult societies. Now, I will have to say I've done a lot of study in the occult. I've heard of lots of weird things. I have not heard of this thing.
0: One of these days I'll go down the the idea of the magic rituals and all that stuff. Magic rituals, this pops up a lot. Does it? Um, it does. If you go into magical rituals, a lot of magical rituals involve bodily fluids.
1: Okay. Well, there I did not know that.
0: So once we get into which we've talked about, we're probably going to talk about um, our, our good friend Crowley. Um, once we talk about him, it does go. There is a lot of ritual and stuff like that with the magic that does do. A, there is a lot of bodily well, fluids involved right. in it.
1: So I, I did. And- Know that that in sex magic that happens, and I think probably when I study quote the occult, I'm look I study more, or at least have in the past, more the doctrinal side of things. Mm -hmm. You know, like their actual like their beliefs, not so much their practices. So that's probably where I was lacking on that.
0: Probably, and there is a lot of it. Because like I said, I've been because I've been getting ready for us to do an episode on Crowley eventually, Um, and I've done a lot of research on the the magical, like the physical manifestation of the magic and there is a lot of a lot of that.
1: Yeah, so here are some claims about this group. So once you get in it, you're trained by them, you go through the initiation ceremony, whatever that might be because I I and I just for fairness, I want to say I've read other articles that say that's put out there by them as sort of this false flag kind of fake story and that what actually happens is Mostly goofy frat stuff. Yeah, but they allow that. that, Yeah, they allow that to leak out to add to the mystique. That's the other side of the coin.
0: And there's a lot of that where I've heard read a lot of those where a lot of people say that that's part of the belief is they think that a lot of this is that they've let a lot of this out just to make themselves, you know, like you said, add to the mystique of it.
1: Well, you and I have talked about there's a video out of supposedly somebody filming one of their initiation ceremonies.
0: Yep. In two thousand and one.
1: Yeah, it's very grainy because it's dark. It's dark in there and there isn't the lead elite guys wearing a robe and they're all kind of standing around and yeah there's a lot of weird I, activity going on.
0: I think one of the guys is supposed to be wearing a George Bush, H. W. Bush mask.
1: Yes. <laughs> while
0: they're doing it. There's a lot of running around. There's a lot of weird like I think there's, there's a girl, I think laying on the ground covered in blood, which was interesting because normally they didn't let, you know, from everything I could find, they didn't let women into the claw in there, you know, it's in the courtyard of the tomb. Right. Which apparently from a lot of things that I read, they're like, um, there's been no other like documentation of these being done inside the courtyard. They were usually in the building where no one could see what was happening.
1: Right, so our assessment of that is is that th- this individual who filmed this had been on the trail of the skull and bones for quite some time doing investigative work. They found mm-hmm. out about it, and so they allowed this to happen or set it up to actually set him up.
0: Yeah. They yes.
1: basically punked him.
0: They did, and, it, I, and I believe they, they punked him because, I mean, it's one of those ones, it is so, if it is real... Then it proves the fact that this is just a bunch of juvenile frat boys goofing off. Because, I mean, it was completely ridiculous. They're yelling at one of the initiates, and they're like, you know, I think one of, even in one part of it, one of them says, like, lick my bunghole pledge or a plebe or something like that, you know. And it's right. like, really?
1: Right. So Beavis and Butthead are running yes. it.
0: Yeah. And then they, they, you know, they're running around in a George Bush mask and they're, you know, kissing a skull and all that stuff. And I'm like, ah. Could I see the kissing the skull? Some of that stuff, I could see that being part of it. But the rest of it, it just seems like it's like they found out something. It's like what you do anytime. You find out somebody's filming you or getting ready to like do whatever. You're like, I'm going to give them the show of their life.
1: Yes. Because there's also another video. It's a very popular video if you look it up where there's a a group of people standing outside of the tomb, which is where the skull and bones meet and where they have their ceremonies and so forth. And they're recording a supposedly a ceremony going on, and you can hear all kind of screaming and wailing and uh, weird sounds coming out. And I, to me, that seems made up as well.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, I've heard of a few things where they might hear a few things from there, but when they get that far, I mean, it's over the top. Because if this is what was really happening, and I mean, if in, I mean, it's only pledged once a year. We've had cell phone cameras and everything else for how long now? And not one person has been able to get another video. It was just that one time the one guy was able to find the perfect spot on a building to see into the courtyard. Is that building and that spot to climb up there not there anymore?
1: Because I'm thinking, I'm just guessing, but I would assume because this is such a super secret group. And they're very, very serious about what they do and who they pick and and how they operate that during their initiation ceremony and during all these things that they want to keep secret they have people walking around the perimeter it's not that big of a building no you know or on the lookout or watching for people and even those who might say sure I'll join your group uh but they've been paid off by let's say Alex Jones or some investigative TV show that are going to pay them a bunch of money and they try to sneak a phone in or something i just Obviously, it hasn't happened, and I think that they keep a tight lock on any and all information that goes out, including what they let out to allow people to theorize about what's going on in there.
0: Yeah. And the one thing a lot of people don't think so, think about, too, is for most stuff I can read, this isn't something like you go to their website and put your name on a waiting list to like get ch- get have them come say yes or no you're in the group. They, they call it tap day where they just walk up and they're going to tap you on the shoulder and basically say, come here, be here at seven o'clock tonight, you know, whatever. And they be in, become initiated.
1: Also, from what I've read, most people at the school at Yale don't even truly know who are in the skull and bones. They keep it that secret. Yeah. I mean, they're not
0: supposed to like go in, even walk into the building while there's somebody around that could witness.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's. It's not that big of a school, so I'm sure there are speculations and guesses yeah. going on. But, but they don't wear uh, a ring. They don't wear a certain necktie or have any kind of outside. There's, there's no secret handshake that I've ever seen. So they keep everything really under wraps.
0: They do. They they keep everything very under wraps. And they say on they they believe there's never been more than like 800. Bonesmen alive at one time.
1: Yes, I did run across that as well. That's staggering as well. S- th- seeing how much power and sway that they have in the world, that that small of a group alive at any one time could dictate a lot of the things that they do. Mm-hmm. As they do. Yes. Speaking of, some claim that the group were behind the Kennedy assassin- assassination. Uh, others say they were responsible for creating the nuclear bomb. And
0: that well, I they, mean, if you think about the Kennedy, if you go back to our episode on Kennedy, we talk about the fact that
1: Bush is there. Yes. Well, they can. there's a lot of people who speculate that they control the entire CIA.
0: I mean, and at that time, he wasn't part of the CIA, even though there's a document that says that Bush, as a representative of the CIA, George Bush was and we I think we talked about it that they say that oh there was a different George Bush that worked at the CIA at that time.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't work because there are there are photographs of a very young George Bush on the scene.
0: Which then they're like, "Oh, but he worked and he did work in Texas at that time, but 2 hours away." Yes. In a different part of Texas. Oh,
1: it's really hard to get anywhere in Texas. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: It is. It's tough. I mean, I, I was there, you know, San Antonio to Houston took you know, like two and a half hours. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, at different points throughout history, members of the Skull and Bones have contr- controlled the fortunes over the or of the Rockefellers, mm-hmm. the Carnegies, and the Fords. Yeah. They've also had members rise through the ranks and obtain high offices in the Council on Foreign Relations. They have been part of powerful media corporations such as Time. And of course, we've mentioned this. We've had three presidents that were of the Skull and Bones, and we know of another that ran. That's mm-hmm. Carrie. And there may have been others through, through um, throughout time that we don't know about.
0: Well, I mean, really, the original, you know, members of the group, you know, were their kids, two of them. Because you have Prescott that was a member, you know, and actually, actually he was a member later, wasn't he? But Prescott was a member and so was Alfonso Taft, was one yes. of the original, yes. who was a U.S. Attorney General, Secretary of War, and the father of William Taft, who was a ta- Brown- bonesman as well, and
1: a president. One thing that a lot of people don't know about is the Russell Trust Association.
0: And well, that sounds great. You know, they give money. They're they're philanthropic, which makes them amazing.
1: <laughs> yes. But do you when was the last time you ever heard of the Russell Trust Association? Never. No. It's the business name for the Skull and Bone Society. Yeah. And it was incorporated in 1856 by William Russell, the, who was the it was the pre, he was the president of it. Uh, and he is also the guy who found his skull and bones, obviously. Yes. And in 1943, by a special act of the Connecticut state legislature, its trustees were granted an exemption from filing corporate reports with the secretary of the state, which is normally a requirement. So they don't have to report anything. No. They have complete, unabated access to cash and to spend it collect it use it and they don't ever have to report anything name another group with that kind of power that we know of is actually on the record book like the Russell trust association it's crazy that is crazy uh they do have to file for taxes however so they have to report you know ultimate amounts and so forth but as far as like itemizing and so forth they don't have to do that. According to this, the Business and Political Network of the Skull and Bones, was uh, there's a the expose on it by the Hoover Institution, which is, they do really good work. They engage in, quote, educational programs, structured programs of intellectual inquiry, sensitivity training, and personal development for students of Yale University focusing on topics of intellectual, political, or cultural importance. Some of the recent topics that they've been homing in on were Homeland Security, corporate governments, and the U.S. international relations. However, it goes way deeper than that. And we may have to do an entire show just on the Russell Trust Association. They were in charge of the Carnegie money for a long time. Makes sense. So these guys... Somehow got in charge of all these wealthy, wealthy people money. And again, we've talked about this many times. We're philanthropic. We do really good things. We educate people. We put on these programs. Meanwhile, there are verifiable records that they have funded wars. They've funded countries who were involved in being overrun and overtaken by... a coup different governments or so forth they helped fund germany and they've done all kind of crazy things
0: yeah they've done yeah they've done crazy things and they use the money and if you it's like we say with anything and we say all the time follow the money follow the money and if you follow the money on some of the things that they that they've done that they've funded, that they've helped. You know, like I said, they were making hand over fist if you look at the money on where that money went to the you know, to the Nazi organizations and a lot of that. But at the same time, if you go back to the Cold War, they were funding the, the Russians and the Americans because they believe in conflict. Peace is made out of conflict, which we've talked about before, North you know, New World Order and everything else. Conflict is what drives the world.
1: And only it only also brings in it brings in piles of cash to them. Yep,
0: you only get change out of conflict. Because look at you know, there, how many wars did we get into when the Bushes were in the office? Were in office? Eight.
1: Oh, tons! Yes, plenty. And there's skirmishes that we we don't even really count. Yeah, and, and one thing I was there's a mention- lot of there's a lot of charge. There's a lot of people we've never done this that believe. They allowed nine eleven to happen and possibly even orchestrated it. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of people that believe that because they really do believe in the fact that conflict creates change. That if you want change, you have to have conflict. So if you have a, you have to have a thesis and an antithesis to make
1: change. So a lot of people believe that they were the ones behind putting the Manhattan Project together. Mm-hmm. A lot of, and there's some pretty good proof to that, actually. I and actually, one thing this I was is,
0: going to point out since we've mentioned it before, Prescott Bush actually did not join the join until 1917.
1: Yeah. So he so, wasn't one of the original. M- and maybe it's because he was one of the more influential members, I guess, yeah. is, is why. And it really took off. Because I kept
0: thinking about that and I'm like, it, it doesn't work if it started in 1832 and Prescott Bush is the, oh, the George H.W. Bush's dad. It just, the math didn't work. Yeah. So yeah, Prescott didn't start until 1917.
1: Yeah, so I think but, maybe a lot of people attribute the popularity the and the rise, yes, to him.
0: To the, the rise to him because he has it. I mean, if you he's another one. I mean, just the Bush family and all, but I mean Prescott Bush, I mean there's something funky about that guy.
1: Oh yeah. I found this interesting. This goes into a bit of their secrecy says, when new members officially join Skull and Bones, they take on a new name that their fellow Bonesmen will know them as for the rest of their lives. Some Bonesmen actually pass down their nicknames to younger recruits, like Louis Lapman from Harper's Magazine did with his nickname uh, Sancho Panza when he passed it to Tex McCrary, who was a PR specialist. Uh, Bonesmen who were the most sexually active also received the nickname Magog, and anyone who was a varsity football captain was known as Boaz. Some Bonesmen are allowed to choose their own nicknames. Allegedly, George W. Bush was one of these lucky devils because he couldn't think of anything, and his fellow Bonesmen referred to him as Temporary, and the name stuck. So they all get new names, which, like you said, is part of this sort of death and resurrection kind of thing. Also, one of the most interesting things about Skull and Bones is that no one in the organization even talks about it. They live with it. So basically, if you ask anybody about them being in the Skull and Bones, according to this, the members' dedication to secrecy is so ingrained that the mere mention of the phrase skull and bones will clear the room of anyone who's been inducted, or at least that's the rumor.
0: And like I said, that's supposed to, from everything I read, that was what's supposed to happen. They're supposed to just leave.
1: According to Esquire writer, Ron Rosenbaum, there's a room inside the tomb that is covered in license plates from across the country. Rosenbaum, an author who's written extensively about Skull and Bones, says that he discovered this after a woman wrote into him to say that she had been uh, secreted into the tomb one night by a Bonesman who wanted to impress her. Once inside, the Bonesman showed her the room and explained that all the plates have the number 322 stamped on them. Bones members are supposed to confiscate any license plate they find with the sacred numbers 322 on it for safekeeping in the room of license plates hmm. also the same author uh, ron rosenbaum when he was looking into skull and bones he had trouble according to this article finding anyone who would talk to him and he <laughs> he uh, he likened them to the new england mafia he said a few people he did find were open to chatting but they warned him of reprisals against him if the piece was published one friend of a bonesman allegedly asked Rosenbaum where he did his banking before explaining that they were that they were three bonesmen on the council of his bank and that he would never get a line of credit again.
0: And I've heard that a couple other places too, where people have asked that, like, where do you bank? And then people have actually had all of a sudden the next day, like, or you know, a little bit later, all of their accounts closed.
1: And this is why I think a lot of the stuff in the tomb is a ruse. I think it's more of a hangout place mm-hmm. because did you run into this thing called deer Island? I did. I think I did deer Island is where all the secret stuff happens.
0: I think so. Cause it's far enough out there. There's no way anyone can get over them. There's no way anyone could do anything and see what they're doing. Talk to them. The whole family goes there, but then they, at night they have meetings. Yes. I think it's a lot like the Bohemian club, which if you look at the members of the Bohemian Club against the members of Skull and Bones, guess what?
1: You
0: know, just like with, you know, CFR and, you know, the... Bilderberg Group? There we go. That's the other one. All three, those three, Council of Foreign Relations, the Bohemian Club, and Bilderberg, the names on those, the Skull and Bones names pop up in all of those constantly
1: as well. Oh, yeah, all over the place. And this Deer Island is... It's in Alexandria Bay, New York. Mm-hmm. and apparently it's kind of, it's an overgrown, from everything I've read, it's not a place you want to hang out. But according to this, it says during the day, it hosts picnics and getaways where Skull and Bones young members and old members meet to plan the future and co-mingle. Even the elite, from what I understand, the elite of the elite of the Skull and Bonesmen get to go to Deer Island. Not even all of the the Bonesmen go to Deer Island.
0: I, I did see that a little bit, too. The other thing I did see is they did, like, stuff, family stuff there. And a lot of people think that the reason they do family stuff there is so that they can, like, create arranged, maybe not arranged, but hookups, like marriages, so that you can make sure that, you know, your daughter meets some nice young men. If you get what I'm saying,
1: oh yeah, it's a rain- basically here's your bride, yeah. Here, here, here's
0: you know someone that we know this is gonna be a good person, and they they keep the the bloodlines pure.
1: Yes, yeah. There's a lot of that in this. There really is. Yes. So let's go into some of the names. Uh, I can put this. I found this on Wikiwand, and it's the list of Skull and Bones members, and it's. Yeah. From the founding all the way to the present. And it's a long list, obviously, so we'll just go through some highlights. Uh, Early on in the first, I'll just say from 1832 to 33, you had a Democrat member of the New York State Assembly, a Connecticut State Legislator and Major General. You had a U.S. Attorney General. And, oddly enough, an American clergyman. And then as you go down into the 30s, you have newspaper editors, Secretary of the State of Delaware, Delegate to the United States, U.S. Congressman, U.S. Representatives, Professor of Latin at Yale, U.S. Representative, U.S. Secretary of State, Attorney General, Senator, Astronomer, Yale Professor, a Rep from Georgia, you Chief Justice of the United Supreme Court. That's uh, Morrison Waite. Speaker of the New York State Assembly, governor of Connecticut. That was Richard Hubbard. You get into the 40s, same thing, U.S. representative, U.S. representative, uh, senator from Connecticut, governor of Massachusetts, local ju- U.S. district court judges, governor of Connecticut. It goes on and on. Massachusetts Attorney General, Yale president. You get into the 50s, and we're talking the same thing. U.S. representatives, U.S. representatives, presidents of University of California, John Hopkins University, Carnegie Institution, founder of Russell Trust Association. And it just goes on and on and on. All of them, U.S. representatives, U.S. senators, governors. There's the U.S. Secretary of the Treasury in in the 1860s. And oddly, every now and then thrown in there is a clergyman. That I found really, really weird. Dean. It of is, John- but I think
0: it just... I don't know. Uh, it's one of the things I found. They are very much... They're not one side of the, the, the aisle or the other. Not even on religious, not on politics, not on anything. They are bought down both aisles. Whichever one gets them money in their pocket. And I or, think that's one of the reasons why they keep clergy in there.
1: Or the other thing I thought is perhaps this person who... I can see a couple of different things. This person who becomes a clergyman maybe became a clergyman like after they graduated, they got converted, they became a clergyman, but obviously they still stayed within the secret bounds of the society and maybe pressure was put on them or maybe they put people out into the churches to try to turn the tide.
0: Possibly. I mean, it's one of those things, put them out all over the place and try and get, you know, everybody you know because I, I like i said i think they play every angle because there, there's plenty of stuff that shows that they funded the russians during the cold war and us because conflict is good
1: the number of u.s senators and representatives on this list is unbelievable it's and i'm not going to i'm not kidding around it's a it's 80 or better As I go through this list, it's every other one is some sort of U.S. senator, U.S. representative, governor. There's one who's the partner in the J.P. Morgan and Company. Also railroad executives, district court judges, uh, financiers, heir to the McCormick fortune, assistant secretary of state. And I'm only into the 1910s. It's yeah. it's insane. So I'm going to skip down because it's just it's it's like a broken record. US rep, US rep. Then you had you, now you started getting into the 50s where you had directors of the CIA that would be William F. Buckley Jr. He also founded the National Review. You had the banker and president of the United States Trust Corporation. You had the vice chairman of the Export-Import Bank of the United States. Jonathan James Bush, which is the son of Prescott Bush. You have district judges. You even had a couple of Olympic medal swimmers, John Marshall and James McLean, U.S. Ambassador to Hungary. I'm going down through this. A famous tennis player, Eugene Scott. William Hamilton, New Yorker cartoonist. Governor of Oklahoma uh, was David Boren. The founder of FedEx, Frederick Smith. Ambassador to Italy, David Thorne, and you just keep going down, and uh, Douglas Wood- Woodlock, U.S. federal judge. Also, Stephen Schwartzman, founder of the Blackstone Group. It's cr- it's insane. It's nuts. Now into the 80s, we're in investments, chairman of the Sears Holding Corporation, the United, and then you have a United States District Court for the District of Columbia, United States Treasury Secretary. You also have Paul Giamatti, the actor. Yep who is the son of A. Bartlett Giamatti, who was the A. president of Yale and the head of Major League Baseball uh, for a, a few years.
0: Yeah, and that's the other big thing to see is there's a lot of presidents of Yale, professors at Yale, all of those that are were Bones members, Bonesmen. Yes. Where they took over, in many ways, Yale. I mean, at one point... They even had, you know, Yale was, they, they were handing Yale's finances.
1: They basically run Yale. Yes. I think even to this day. I, I don't think there's any, any doubt because there's, you go through this, there's professors, there were presidents. Uh, they've basically hijacked Yale. Yes. I also I noticed so. that there's this guy named Austin Goolsby, and he was the staff director Two and the chief economist of President Barack Obama's Economic Recovery Advisory Board. So these guys and women are everywhere, and mostly men. Uh, they've just yeah. recently started adding women to the list. But you have uh, the founder of Adams Outdoor. You have the uh Jack McGregor who is a Pennsylvania state senator and the founder of the Pittsburgh Penguins so they're in sports they're in politics they're in media they're in religion they are in finances they're in everything and very very high up none of this is this is not low level stuff no they're running things they're founding things and it is Truly amazing that a group that started way back there with 15 individuals, 15 guys in college, have gone on to be so influential. And this leads to the theory that they are either linked at the hip, they take directions from, or they are saddled up to the ultimate group, which is the Illuminati.
0: There is. And there's some people that actually think that Illuminati had a big had a say in them becoming uh, an organization that they are a sister program to the Illuminati because Russell, the guy who started them, had studied abroad the year before in Germany. And they think he may have ran into the Illuminati over there and started a sister program.
1: It's very possible because they have a lot of the same goals, obviously, through how they do their business, how they conduct their business, and how they pick where they are going to put people into key positions. Yes. So this was an article from The Week. This author starts this paragraph by saying, so does the society run the world? And I thought this was very interesting. This author says, not quite. It's true that Bonesmen have occupied top-tier positions at an impressive array of powerful institutions like the CIA, Council on Foreign Relations, Morgan Stanley... Rockefeller Foundation, and the Federal Reserve. But the same could be said of Yale graduates in general or Harvard graduates or other Ivy Leaguers. True. That's a true statement. He does conclude with this, and in future years, Skull and Bones is likely to be far less influential than it has been in the past. I don't know how this author comes to that conclusion because the reality is, They've been extremely influential. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to me as if they're slowing down anytime soon. Now, I could say maybe because a whole lot of attention have come to them and people are sort of on to them, and especially, like I said, during the presidential race between Bush Jr. and Kerry, where they were both asked on national TV about it, and they skirted it and hit in the corner like a scared mouse then a lot of people said whoa maybe there's something to this yeah so perhaps they are either going back like maybe they got a little too big for their britches and yeah, yeah this is who we are and we, we can't tell you everything but you know a lot of that stuff's true and uh, maybe they're having to scale back and go sort of more into secrecy again
0: And I think that might be it. I think what it was, I think Kerry and Bush, when they ran against each other, it put them too much into the light where all of a sudden, you know, who are these people? And everybody's trying to figure out who they are. They're getting, you know, all sorts of people where they've been hidden in the shadows or people kind of knew they were there, but it's like, eh, you know, that's just the skull and bones guys. Now, all of a sudden they're out in the light. They're making a video game called skull and bones. There's multiple movies now made that are based off the, the theories and everything of skull and bones. And they're kind of like, okay, I think we're too hot right now. We need to step back. Let, the, let everything die down and then we'll, you know, and just do everything from the shadows like we're used to.
1: I think there's a good possibility of that. Yeah. I, or they're still there. They're just shopping out their deeds, you know, like they make a phone call yeah, and say, you're going to do this and it's not going to come back to us. It might even be an anonymous call with some sort of secret message or code that you know who's calling but it's a fascinating group it really is because they're so secretive it lends itself to all of these theories and there are uh, a lot of people who blame the bay of pigs fiasco on these guys also vietnam and again i don't know that you can pin every negative thing in the United States on them, but I think there are certain events such as the Kennedy assassination and 9-11 and the Manhattan Project. I think those are pretty well documented. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's pretty well documented, but it's one of those things where it comes back to of was it, was it Skull and Bones or does it just happen to be that Skull and Bones... Because their people are so influential and would be in charge of things, they just happen to be involved. And that's where they keep coming back and I keep getting a lot of people that are like, oh, well, look at this. There's this huge fiasco and one of the people that was involved in the planning and everything else that made it go bad was a member of the Skull and Bones. And it's like...
1: That's a lot of victim of circumstances, though.
0: There are. It's a lot of coincidences. (laughs) and When there's that many coincidences, you start questioning. I'm just saying that's the other side of the coin that I keep seeing on a lot of things where they're saying, oh, it's just because they pick such influential people that will end up being there. It just happens to be. But we know that they're supposed to be more into the skull and bones comes first. Yes. Bones, family, like everything else next. And bones is before even family.
1: Yeah, it's before so, everything. You're basically this is why I think I'd be curious how many people they actually tap on the shoulder to invite in. Because I'm sure there are people been people said no, I'm not selling my I'm not selling the rest of my life to you or any other group. Yeah. And I assume if you show up to the initial ceremony and they explain this is what's going on, they give them a uh, a moment to opt out. But they have to keep it at 15. So, I don't know. Do they invite 30? Do they invite 45? Screen them once again? I, I wonder how that works. We don't know. I wonder. I but mean, They're very successful. I'll things- have to say, they've been very successful at their choices. They have. They've
0: been very successful at their choices. But it's one of those things a lot of people, I mean, there's some things that I've read and none of them are, you know, can be verified, obviously, that they give them money right off the bat. Like one of the first things, like you get an immediate like fifteen grand or something. But yeah. most of these people don't need it anyway because they come from families that have money. But you're also guaranteed that you're going to like have work and be able to do some. Bonesmen will hire you as soon as Bush was hired by an oil company as soon as he walked out of Yale, because the the person who ran it was
1: Bonesman. Oh yeah, you're guaranteed success for life as far as financial and material things it's your soul conscience and how you can live with yourself i think is what you're selling and maybe you're not even get to you're not even get to pick your own spouse
0: there's been stuff that i've read about that too where they they think that's a very possible thing too that they don't even get to pick who their spouse is they're just like nope this is who you we're going to just like it comes to like you know nobles and everything else like this is this is your spouse. We need to keep everything within, and like I said, that's what a lot of people think Deer Island is. Yes, they bring their their children there and say, "Okay, here here's my daughter. Here's one of these new you know recruits to keep. You know, we're going to join the the carry in the bush clan." There you go. Yeah, make it I mean, work. Yeah, and that's what. And I I have a feeling that that's kind of what
1: happens. So if you were, and I know this is, <laughs> for me especially, I would never be admitted to Yale because. A, I wouldn't want to go there, and B, it's too expensive, but I'm probably not even bright enough to get in.
0: Mm,
1: Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, that's debatable. But, and I'm certainly, I didn't come for money. But if you were there, given all the right circumstances, and you were given the tap on the shoulder or the invite or whatever to this group, and I think they probably know if you're serious or not. Yeah. They're like you're really gonna dedicate yourself to it. And and I'm I'm gonna guess that there's some severe penalties should you step outside the line because it seems like they all stay in the lines. Would oh, yeah. you You have to would you accept it? Would you go through with it? I
0: don't know. I I mean it's one of those things I think the hard part for me was my curiosity. I'd wanna know. But at the same time, I, I don't think I could I don't think I could let go of my moral being just to be in a group. No. I mean, like I said, my curiosity, I'd want to just to know what's going on and see see that, but other than that, I I don't think I could do
1: it. Right, and I don't think that would be possible. Yeah. I I don't think that they would allow that. I know I couldn't because I'm not going to take directives for the rest of my life from a a bunch of people who, just because they graduated ahead of me in Yale, and yes, I know they're funding my lifestyle and they're making me rich, wealthy, and powerful, but you essentially are just taking directives and commands, and I assume that even when you move up the chain as the older people die off and then you become in that position, they're taking directives from somebody, which is where we come all the way back to the New World Order and who's directing them. And are they just another group like the Bilderbergs, like the Council on Foreign Relations, like the RIA, and all these other groups that do the same thing, and are they just like the second or third tier down from the ultimate group that's pulling the strings?
0: Probably. That'd be and my guess. And that's kind of it. Yeah, I think and that'd I be my I don't know, guess. do you think they could ever get to being, you know, number one? And, and that's, uh, it's... It's a tough one. No, I don't because know if as, could as we, ever get
1: there. It, I, I say no, and here's why: because as we did our study on the Illuminati families, all these groups that I and I looked into a bunch of these, and yes, they control lots of money. Yes, they come from wealthy families, but they're in—they're not in, even in the league of those Illuminati families as far as fortunes and wealth go, no. and power and influences. That's what leads me to believe they're the next tier down.
0: I believe so. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, I think it's still going to be at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to power and everything else. And unless you're one of the, I mean, and I don't even think the bushes are on the top of that ladder. No, you no. know, I, I think it's going to be one of those things. I'm guessing the top of that ladder is someone that once again, we have no idea who it is because I, I do believe in some way that they have some power, but I still think, you know, there's the deep dark above them.
1: It's the power is the thing, because there are, I can tell you right now for a fact, there are oil men in Texas who you've never heard of who are wealthier than the Bush clan. Yeah. But they don't have the political power that they have, obviously. So that's what leads me to believe they take directives from, whether it be the Rothschilds, the Reynolds, or any of the Illuminati families, or whoever's up there, and like you said, it could be people we've never even heard of. Yep. These people are taking the orders, the ultimate orders, from them. So you're essentially giving your life, soul, decision-making skills, everything away. Now, on this earth, you're going to be rewarded with lots of fancy houses, cars, parties, and whatever else comes along with it. But ultimately, you are, have lost control of everything yes and if you step out of line i assume they eliminate you or punish you severely
0: i would think so too and i would think it's one of those things i don't think like you said i i think it's going to be eliminated not it, it's you're going to be suicided yeah um just because it, it makes more i mean they need to you if you step out of line you're going to make them look bad you're going to get in the way of their power see you later
1: Oh, yeah. And if, if you know too much, just write a tell all book or a blog or whatever, and that would expose the whole thing. So they have to keep yep. it tight wrapped, which is why it's not a very big group. Yeah. So anyway, well, that's it for Skull and Bones. We encourage you to, if you're interested in this, go down that rabbit hole, research some more. There's still a lot more out there. Uh, we, you know, we looked at sort of the main points of it and a lot of the things that we talked about such as the them running the cia or being involved in the kennedy assassination or 9-11 those are long holes lots of research and lots of theories and all kind of stuff just on those topics alone yeah. as far as skull and bones being involved but we wanted to bring you the highlights so well i've got the midweek edition and i'm looking forward to that i've We've had several emails that I think I may have to address on that episode. I think I'm going to be looking into some of the things that are going on right now because the last two episodes I had Ralph Epperson on and I haven't really been able to present anything. And there's a lot of stuff going on right now that are quite interesting that relate to a lot of what we talk about. Yeah, there's a lot. And we will be back next week. And so email us, down the RH at protonmail.com, down the RH at protonmail.com. In the meantime, everybody, have a wonderful week. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.